CJ Peterson, and welcome to The Journey is Real. We talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. Today, my guest is Mark Royale, and we titled his podcast, The Heart of Coaching. Thank you for coming on today, Mark. Thanks for hosting me, CJ. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, I appreciate you coming. Um, your passions include coaching, being an athlete, as well as an author. Let's kind of... Let's kind of go back in your journey and bring you forward, making sure to touch on why these particular three things are parts of your passion. Sure. Well, I always uh, liked running, for example, uh, in high school. I was a cross-country runner, and I also ran marathons in my early adulthood. So um, I did get a little lazy for maybe 10 or 20 years, uh, busy with oh, life. And, yeah. So... Um, but my daughter, believe it or not, when she was eight years old, and I was now in my 40s, um, took a few of her first running steps. So she, she had this innate desire to run. And I never told her I was a runner. She knew nothing about that. So off she went into the neighborhood running on her own. I had to go with her because you can't just have her, you know, an eight-year-old out there on her own necessarily. True. And that got me back into running as a, as a middle-aged adult. So I, I, it's my daughter who reinvigorated my uh, athletic um, uh, tastes and uh, and I've uh, continued from there with and actually got into coaching and training for triathlons because of those first steps of my daughter actually. Oh nice. So how many triathlons have you done? I've done about a dozen and including in those um, are two of the world championship uh, triathlons in, in Europe. So I represent in Canada. Uh, it's all age group. I'm not competing against the pros who are in their twenties. So I, my last one, I was in the 60 to 65 year old age group representing Canada and uh, Good job. Switzerland. Awesome. So the coaching aspect, you mentioned coaching in that as well. Um, what do you coach? What do you like about coaching? You know, maybe a few stories. Sure. Uh, I love, love, love coaching cross-country running. Um, mm -hmm. The reason it's sort of an underdog sport. It's almost like the last sport that a lot of people would want to join. Like, hold on, it's muddy. It's painful. I have to, uh, I have to, I have to confess right now. <laughs> I ran track, but I can't do distance. I'm a sprinter. I did sprinting. Right. Yeah. I did hurdles. I did high jump and long jump, but I would not touch yeah. distance with a 10 foot pole. I'm like, so it's no. a, it's a tough sell for when I was teaching uh, college in high school. It's a tough sell, you know, mm -hmm. especially a, a kid who maybe doesn't do a lot of the other traditional sports you those are the ones you maybe seek out first because they a lot of them actually are innate very good runners or would enjoy it a lot or get a lot out of it so um you just have to get them in there trying things joining the team working with other teammates and seeing their own improvement and and then they feel themselves getting stronger as individuals physically and mentally and uh there's some funny things about cross country um uh for example it's the only sport i know where the the slower you are, the more playing time you get, like you're mm -hmm. out there for longer. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no other sport. Like usually the better athletes, all the other sports are out there and the ones, other ones are sitting on the bench, not in cross country. If you're a little slower, you're going to be out there for maybe 25, 30 minutes for a race and the top runners are coming in in 15 or 20 minutes. So you're in a lot of pain, mm -hmm. but you get a lot of playing time. <laughs> and, uh, well, and you kind of also learn to regulate and pace. Yes. Because you yes. could burn out really fast. And so it's almost like a mental training exercise on that. 
Yeah. The other hurdle to get over with uh, cross country is people think of it as an individual sport, but it really isn't, especially in high school. Uh, I was at a school where you built up our team and you need, um, for example, say junior boys, grade 10 boys. Mm -hmm. You have to have four boys crossing the finish line for your school to count any points. If you only have three boys, it doesn't matter how fast they are. Your school gets nothing. They're not even recognized. So wow. for, our, for our school, a small school, uh, high school, we um, we really had to f uh, recruit and and kids helped, captains helped, other coaches helped me find people to uh, join these teams and 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 often the fourth runner or the fifth runner was uh, again a slower runner, maybe not a natural runner, but they were so valuable to the team. They were actually the linchpin of the team. So I used to do these things where you'd say, "We've got to worship the fourth runner. They are the ones that you top three runners." make sure you finish cheer in the fourth runner when they're coming in and thank them afterwards for completing your team. They are, they are, they made your team official. And, uh, and often what would happen is this adulation for the fourth runner, the underdog runner sort of thing became a bit of a competition. Uh, Cause some, you sometimes you'd have fifth, sixth, seventh runners, and they're always trying to improve to become, to count as a fourth runner. And it was just great to see, um, you know, I would say any listeners in any organizations, if you can, champion the uh the person who's slugging away maybe not as talented but doing their very best and really important part of your team if you can find a way to champion them and recognize them that it would help any organization not just a cross-country team mm -hmm. right and, and it's you have to be an encouraging coach um one of my track coaches actually got me out of track um, because there was a certain set that were like their top runners and that's all they focused on to the point that at one point they even asked us to give us their, you know, give them our uniforms to make sure that they were taken care of and we were not. Yeah. And so it's like when that happens, you know, I was great at high jump, long jump and hurdles. I literally could walk over the hurdles, but I wasn't a fast sprinter. I was, but I wasn't, I was kind of that in-between lag version. right right and so you know for them to do that to me was just like then you don't respect every member of this team because i'm putting in the same amount of work that everybody else is doing including those top runners and i don't feel valued and so i went in and i turned in my uniform and i said value counts to every member of the team and you just lost one congratulations yeah, yeah it's and it's uh, you're so right cj um and it's 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 very easy to center your energies on the top runners, and but they will always do well. And I don't want to ignore them. I mean, we mm -hmm. uh, here in Ontario, we won the provincial championships last year. I had a midget girls team that was absolutely amazing, grade nine girls. I knew they were going to win the Ontario championship, but I didn't want to focus on them. In fact, I I almost tried to keep them. Uh, under the radar, um, because uh, I've never seen such a talented group. There were six strong runners in that group. Oh, uh, wow. The first four across the line. So I knew, you know, we were probably going to win and we did win. Um, but uh, I didn't want to focus on them. I almost kept them separate. I didn't put them all in the same races, for example, just to keep our our performance sort of under the radar. And then finally in the Ontario finals, we just cleaned up. But there were so many other runners. Like there was a seventh runner on that team who on any other team would would certainly be in the top four. And, and uh, you know, I had to explain to her, look, you're, this is a, a tough situation for you. You're, you're probably not going to go to the, the championships, um, but you're still a fantastic runner. She was a triathlete. 
Uh, and uh, you just want, and you, with boys too, you want to make sure you're not just focusing on this, you know, this girl's talented team. So you, you have to be very, very careful as a coach. Um, those top runners will look after themselves. You know, you obviously have to give them some guidance, right? Often for them, the guidance is make sure they don't overtrain and don't get injured. Exactly. So you're not just a runner. You're not just a coach, but you're also an author. We'll take a few minutes to talk about that. You have a book called Age Decoded. What is that and what is it about? Sure, it's a science fiction. Uh, it is a speculative fiction in the sense that um, I'm trying to predict the future. It's like sort of hard hard science fiction where you, you, you're not on another planet somewhere, you're not, there's not aliens involved or whatever. Uh, it's more like, okay, here's what I think Here's where I think the world is headed in the next uh, 50 to 250 years, based on what I'm uh, read about in the, the genetics engineering developments and other developments too, like information technology. So it's speculative. It's mm -hmm. um, uh, it's my first book. Uh, and if you'd asked me, oh no, any 10, 20, 30 years ago, if I'd ever write a book, I'd say, you're absolutely nuts. I'm not a writer. Uh, English was my worst subject in oh, high school. Oh, really? I did do some reading. I got to give myself credit. I did do a fair amount of reading in my twenties and thirties, uh, including a lot of science fiction, but other other writers too. So maybe that helped a little bit. But um, if I had written, a, yeah, sci-fi is kind of a tricky genre. I literally just published on a August thirtieth. My first. By the time this comes out, all three of the trilogy will be in. It's a Christian fiction sci-fi trilogy. And it has to do with genetic manipulation and it's like sci-fi is a very tricky genre especially when you know you're doing what you're doing which is kind of predicting what direction it's heading in mm -hmm. and a lot of times you know pretty soon it won't be a speculative you know it may be fact as opposed to fiction because a lot of times i mean if you look at a star trek for example you know a lot of the things that they had are were the basis for what we have now Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, actually, I've only had my novel out for four months, CJ, but already there's something that's happened. I was reading about the Elon Musk's uh, Neuralink company, which is going to, uh, was, is already uh, connecting using pigs right now, apparently. They connect the neurons in the brain with this phys, um, uh, integrated uh, electrical apparatus which connects to the computer system so it's basically meshing right in with the physiology of the animal and uh, right now it's just about 80 neurons but uh, and your your brain has billions of neurons but still it's a start and they're about a centimeter into the uh, into the cerebrum there uh, with integrating it and in my book I have neuro integrated transmitters which are pretty much like smartphones but you don't need the smartphone you can do everything from within your head and i don't uh, know that i would want that i mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I i like being able to put it down once in a while i don't think i would want it in my head it's enough in my head <laughs> well one issue in the book too is well who's listening right if you can mm -hmm. use these to communicate with other people well then can they use it to read your thoughts mm -hmm. There is some of that suspicion in the book. Uh, it's a bit of a dystopia. It's not I mean, it's kind dystopia. of bad. And yeah, it's bad enough that you kind of feel like they're listening now when it's a telephone. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I do not. And my head is a scary place to begin with. So I don't necessarily know that I would want anybody even in it. I don't know that anybody else would want to be in there either. Because, yeah. 
brace yourself. It could be coming, but I mean, that's a, that's something that's already ha happening. And I was surprised to hear that so soon. And a lot of the genetic engineering, I guess you uh, know something about this too, writing uh, is, is happening at a, at a frenetic pace already. It's going to be a tsunami. And uh, I'm reading about stuff every week that is, uh, you know, transpiring for the first time. It's going to be very exciting. A lot of good things are going to happen for humans, but it's like it's like any technology. We're going to have to watch it and harness it very carefully, too. I know. I keep watching the stuff coming up, and I'm just like, you know, I saw that movie. It did not come out well. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. like, do you not listen? <laughs> so now, where did you get your ideas? Because if it's speculative, you know, prior to you writing this, you know, the the cerebral thing hadn't been going on. So how did you come up with this idea and how did you kind of formulate it into a story? Well, about 10 years ago, I started to notice that my running was slowing down and I, and, uh, and then in triathlons, I noticed that some of the triathletes were very sensitive to age. So somebody who was say 65 would feel so much disadvantaged compared to a 62 year old. And I'm like, what? You can tell that three years. And they say, yes, you can, you can feel these yourself slowing down as you approach, literally you're approaching death. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, there is a decline. And I started reading about that. And that's where I first discovered all of this exciting and fairly strong research going into anti-aging and even potentially reverse aging. Um, so I started writing, I thought, well, not just for triathlons, for the entire world, for society, for humanity, mm -hmm. what the heck, what would be the effect with a focus on aging, but my book also brings in some other psychological factors. Uh, yeah. Interesting. I'm curious. So putting it all together, are you still coaching right now? I am going to find out this week because of the COVID restrictions oh. in Ontario. They're um, the high school, which I'm now volunteering because I've retired from my high school. So I'm volunteering at the local public school. And um, they didn't have running last year that was shut down because of COVID. But they're thinking of starting. I'll find out next week. Fingers crossed. I know the kids are just dying to get back out there. And uh, yeah. Well, that was going to answer my question. The next question was, what do the kids think about the fact that you actually have a book out? I don't think they know. <laughs> so, uh, I, I some of these kids, I haven't seen them for two years, right? I just mm -hmm. saw them as the volunteer community coach. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm hoping to meet the ball next Monday and uh, say, okay, let's get running again. And a lot, a lot of them I know are running. I have bumped into a few of them out there. And mm -hmm. I know the I know the coach of the um, Hamilton Olympic Club who has kept, I've kept in contact with her. And she's told me that many of them are still running. So awesome. that's good. That's good. There's lots of uh, uh, fine runners there. Mm -hmm. So. So how can people find you online here if they're interested in talking to you even about coaching, about, you know, athletics or even your book and stuff? How can they find you online? Sure. So I do not at the moment have an author website. I probably should construct one, but I do have a strong presence uh, on Quora. Mm -hmm. uh, so if they just look up Mark Ryle Quora, okay. I've answered a lot of questions on there. Some on athletics some on uh, genetics and a lot on uh, just a lot of them are just funny answers about golf and other sports and things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, so, and, and some things about writing, the writing process, the writing journey. So core is a great way. You can ask questions on there. You can message me on there. Um, and I, 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 I suppose you'll be providing a link to the 
book I itself. Will. Uh, there, the link to the book and your core link will both travel with this podcast. So there's some biographical information on there too for, for people to read. Yes. Awesome. Well, we have a few minutes left. Is there anything you'd like to add? If there's any one gold nugget that somebody, you know, wanted, you wanted somebody to walk away with for listening, sure. what would it be? Uh, don't pigeonhole yourself. Uh, you know, I would have thought coming out of high school in the university, I, I was a math and science guy. That was it, you know. And um, here I am talking on your great podcast about my excellent book. And, uh, and uh, you know, who would have ever known? So don't pigeonhole yourself. You never know. Some things you do will provide a foundation. Um, like I said, I did some reading and maybe that was a bit of foundation. Uh, and then at some point in your life, maybe like when I started feeling comfortable becoming a teacher, that's when I started becoming more creative. I started doing art also, but, um, and writing this book, it might take you a while to feel like you've hit your stride or you're ready, you're comfortable to start expressing yourself, uh, and to share your experiences and, and your thoughts. So, uh, you never know. And, and you might fail too. Like I failed to get mm -hmm. this published uh, when I started uh, several years ago, and now I'm just self-publishing it. Uh, and I've updated and improved it using editors and all that. So it's a great process. You just never know, uh, where it's going to start. We're all humans. We're in, we're inexact. We're inexact. We're not, we're not robots. We're not, uh, and we're not pigeon. We're not easily pigeonholed. You yourself may have within you the potential to become uh, a very satisfied and, and excellent writer and to share and to share that with other people who will find value in what you have to say. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so there's awesome. lots of possibilities. That's my message. Awesome. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. Well, thank you for coming on today, Mark, and for sharing your story and your passions and your heart. We really appreciate it. Thanks, CJ. Uh, I, that was a wonderful uh, uh, time and um, uh, all the best uh, moving forward with your podcast. Well, thank you. And thank you guys for listening to The Journey is Real, where we talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. I'm CJ Peterson of cjpetersonwrites.com. Until next time.